0: Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to
1: find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thank you. Hello, Louise. Hi, Sarah. Back in our closets. Back in our closets. For chapter two of Journey of the Adopted Self by Betty Jean Lifton. I mean, second chapter in, and it just is so (laughs) intense. It's a different intensity than the primal wound. Yeah. Yeah. But right out the gate, it started talking about nobody ever stopping to consider, you know, just as a legislator who approves sealing the identity of the adopted child's mother knows his own mother the lobbyists who work to keep adoption records sealed know their own mothers. How can any of them understand what it's like to be among a select group of people who have been chosen by destiny and society, not to know. I mean, it's
1: the whole thing is highlighted there. (laughs) Yeah. You hit it because this is called the motherless self and it gets into what is a mother. And you're right. It is a different intensity. I feel, well, maybe because we did the other book with, coming really fresh and cold into this.
0: Exactly. We had no, I mean, we didn't know about the adoptee community. We didn't know nothing. And now I'm
1: like, this is like a much deeper read in a weird way. Like mm-hmm. it's a I really like fixated on each word and what she's talking about. Her being a psychiatrist, just what you said, like no one can imagine because it's unimaginable if you didn't know your mother's face, hear her voice.
0: Yeah. Like but you- yet
1: but yeah, it is imaginable because that's us, that's yeah, especially with closed adoptions, and she really that what you just read is like they forget that the mom, you know, your adopted mom, the people who did the adoptions, they all know their mothers, so it's, <laughs> right. but just forget yours.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, be grateful, be happy, be lucky.:
1: Yeah, And she gets into the definition of a mother. From like yeah. the Oxford Dictionary, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting to read. I mean, we won't read it on here, but I thought it's interesting to read what a mother is because she was trying to define what we say is the real mom. Uh uh-huh. right?
0: And, and it's do- both, yeah. right? So it's, it's like both. The birth or first mother would say, Well, I gave birth, so I'm the real mother. And the, the adoptive mother would say, Well, I, you know, changed diapers and got up in the middle of the night to feed and raise them. And
1: both are true. Both are true, and then she was getting into a, a psychological thing. I actually don't really know much about where she was saying that everybody has a conflict with good mother and bad mother I've, of I our mothers. Remember you, hearing that in therapy? That. And uh huh. I haven't really. I mean, I I feel like it's back in my mind somewhere. She was saying we have four mothers because right. we have the, the good mother, people. the bad mother <laughs> of both sides, so we can say, well, my adopted mom was amazing. She loved me. She gave me everything, but she stole me. My biological mom gave me life she was wonderful but she abandoned me so yeah these four psychological mothers to reconcile and so it's no wonder that we're a little bit like lost in between how she put it
0: yeah and what was it she talked about feeling simultaneously special and
1: oh right that was really interesting you're um, right because she says here, the task of adopted people is to reconcile these two mothers within them, the birth mother who made them motherless and the psychological mother who mothered them, which I, I don't know. I just never really looked at all of this in this way. And it's weird to see yourself in this way. Like, I'm reading it as I would something we're learning about. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this is kind of about me. <laughs> it's yes. Just, it's just, and then I don't want it to be about me. And then I do. And then I'm like, I don't know if you go through that. What are adoptees to do with this conflicting imagery of good and bad mothers who rescue, steal, love, and abandon them, who alternately stand in opposition and merge as one? To whom are they to be loyal? Which one of them is real?
0: Yeah. Oh, I found the, okay, the Yeah, Adopted children feel akin to the children in fairy tales, too. Motherless babes mm-hmm. who are suckled by animals, crafty changelings who replace human children, and magical children found in forests or on riverbanks. They identify with Starman, who is at home in the skies, and with Superman, who, after falling from another planet, lived a dual life much as they do, pretending to be a real person in everyday relationships and then disappearing on secret exploits that he shared with no one. That brought up a memory for me of being, you know, and I used to do this a lot when I was a kid. I would press my forehead against the window when we were driving in the car and I would just go into this fantasy land and I would picture myself and I would see the lights, you know, on the uh-huh. highway or whatever we, when we were driving. And I would picture myself, I would stare out and then just check out and pretend I was an adult living in New York City. Oh, just that's the interesting. The strangest thing. Like I have flashing forward
1: to it's a almost life like that I, you might have had that memory from your mother. I mean, we don't know have. with babies. You know, I know, there's so much going on in that research. You probably <laughs> did. It's like a inherited memory or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, very. I had, when you said that about Starman and Superman and all that, I really that triggered for me that whole. I remember seeing Bambi. Of course, it's horrific for everybody. Now we look back on Bambi, the mother dies in the forest. How they, but I was really upset by these things. Like, I really cared about Superman coming down and not having his mom. I'd really fixate on those parts of the story, like anybody motherless or anybody needed rescuing. It's funny she brought that up because I was thinking I really was fixate. My mom wouldn't take me to some movies because I would get too fixate on this stuff and get really upset. And now it's like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. You know, mm-hmm. between it the- is,
0: it's just reading these between the primal wound and now this book, just our uh, my whole life just sort of making sense and. Yeah. I thought there was something she
1: brought up, which is kind of hard to like read about because it's like two pages worth. But she said this whole thing about when the biblical stories, right? Like someone, Solomon was going to split the baby in half. So the real mother. Oh showed. Yes. Yeah. And then also there was another study where the adopted mom showed who she was the real mom. Because oh, it wasn't she, a
0: study. It was just a, par- like a, a parable myth. You know, one myth. was from the Bible. That was a right, Bible story. Right. And
1: exactly. Sorry. And. I thought it was interesting because she said the real mom is, I mean, both moms are totally legitimate, but both can be the real mom. And really, it comes down to who validates the feelings of the adopted baby. It's like if your adopted mom's really loving and open and wants to validate how you feel and care about how you feel or your biological mom does, or they both do, you're really lucky. But I thought it was really down to who cares about your soul type of thing. And so I could see how, and some people do get torn between both mothers. We've heard that where they kind of fight over, and then the adoptees like healing the process. That is so messed up. So
0: mm-hmm. it's, sure, <laughs> I know. Expounding on that, that you know, I thought this was interesting. Everyone uh-huh. is a child of God who gets lost. A Jungian analyst tells me usually one attaches. To the parents who become the main caretakers, but the adoptee makes the God connections and develops a non-human relationship to the cosmos. You know, it was just yeah. interesting. I thought they live with a dual sense of reality, wanted and unwanted, super child and monster child, immortal and mortal. No, One my- part is chosen, the other part is abandoned. That's a
1: great line. One part mm-hmm. is chosen, the other part is abandoned. And I didn't know that my biological mother passed away when I was little. I didn't find that out until I was an adult. But I was kind of mad at her growing up. Like now that I look back, I was trying to think, how did I ever feel about her? I used to think I had the story that she did something really good for me at the time. She couldn't raise me. She gave me to my loving parents. But I was kind of like, well, what the heck? You know what I mean? It's kind of that now that I'm reading all this, I remember oh, I did feel that way. I remember being like kind of mad about it. Like, I don't want to meet her because she didn't want me. But deep down, you really want to be loved and met. and
0: Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I have a couple of friends who would say, oh, I have no desire to even know anything about it. And I just, I mean, not to invalidate what they say, but sometimes I just think, is that really true or is that just a defense mechanism? Because don't we all want to know? Well, yeah, like I didn't really want
1: to find my birth family, but I really wanted to know who I was
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: why I was. So I think deep down you still do like, because I think what it is, people don't want to go through what they have to go through to figure it out. It's a lot. Right. And, and you have to bring people's emotions into it and deal with your own family involved. Like there's a lot you have to do to do this. So is it worth it to them? Maybe not. But I think inside you wonder,
0: how do you not wonder? Well, if I think, you know, in our closed adoption situation, If there's any level of parents, you know, well, you're my child and I took you on, you know, we are then again, you know, it's being faced with as the adoptee being the person to take care of that. Like that's taking care of their feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to, I mean, my mom, God bless her, was always so supportive of my search and would, you know, whatever I can do to help you. And like, she just, if she felt threatened, she didn't. Put that in there. Put that in there. So that's been when, when the time came for me to search, I went forward without even thinking about it because I had been supported about it. So yeah,
1: I think it's amazing. Well, and I, I wish my parents lived long enough to be around for this podcast because they did get so supportive. And you know, my mom met everybody at the wedding and was yeah. like, I can do this. She had to get a, her like she had to get her arms around it. And it's important because she'd asked me things or but there's our other adoptees
0: yeah my my adopted dog that's woody everyone hi woody (laughs) most people probably know woody by now
1: (laughs) woody and duchess i mean this is like sarah and i spend a lot of time talking about them before we come on here
0: (laughs) yeah we're we are obsessed with our adopted dogs (laughs) well i think i mean this chapter just i think
1: in conclusion at the end this is the mother who relinquishes her baby for adoption for whatever reason does not perceive it as an act of abandonment, but rather as a way of giving the child a better life than she can offer. And some people obviously breaking in here know that, you know, that, not all mothers had that choice, right? But, but that's kind of the storyline, right? She is opting for what the Romans call the cure for chance, the chance to make up for a hapless birth, but the baby vulnerable and helpless is not ready to start gambling on chance. It wants its own mother and can only perceive of her disappearance as an abandonment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As we shall see, the sense of abandonment and mystery about origins will shape the child's life. I'm like, wow, yeah, our lives are shaped before we could shape our lives. Yes. <laughs> if you think, yes. So I think you said something on our last episode when we were reviewing it on chapter one, where you said, "I mean, what the heck? It's really a crazy thing if you
0: think about it, taking a baby and giving it to another family. It really <laughs> is. I mean, imagine." I was just sitting here thinking if, you know, if that had happened for Jack or Becker, like yeah. how we'd be feeling, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, the culture has changed so much. I mean, what they told birth mothers, I mean, what they told adopted families, everything was very constructed I mean, by the system.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's probably the same. Well, the motivation is the same. They ba- yeah. get babies for, you know. Infertile couples or people who want to adopt—it's still that motive is still there. They might have changed the the language around it, but I think language and it's hopefully still a big you know market, so to speak. Yeah,
1: it is, and hopefully the actions will change around it. That's the main thing. Yeah, so that people are just more aware and handle, you know, because these are people's lives. You grow up, and you want people to be functioning. <laughs> Happy people with their lives. Yes. Anyway, I can't wait to talk to our guest because she's pretty insightful on this, actually.
0: Very. She has a lot to say. So excited to talk to her. Me too. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great-looking podcast website, and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show.
2: Hi, I'm just going to break in here. As a friend of the podcast and a fellow Patreon, I want to join Louise and Sarah in thanking everyone who has reached out. Frankly, I've been astounded at the number of listeners from across the world who have shared their unique stories with our podcasters. I believe in the healing power of stories. As a Patreon, I've found such pleasure in supporting the podcast and in seeing how adoptees find their people. I know how much Louise and Sarah are moved by each Patreon support. Their immediate goal is to be able to air the podcast weekly rather than biweekly. Eventually, they would like to advocate for more effective ways of adopting children. If you would like to support this important work either once or in an ongoing way, simply go to patreon.com, then in the search bar, type adoption colon, the making of me. Thank you all each in your own way, for bringing us together. And now let's rejoin our hosts.
0: Here we are today. We have a guest who actually reached out to us on Facebook, and her story sounded so interesting, and she's been listening to our podcast, that as soon as we even heard like a tiny sliver of what her story was, we really wanted to bring her on and hear it. So please welcome Melissa Porter.
3: Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: We're happy to have you. We're very happy to have you. So why don't we just start out? We wanted to ask
1: you just about your story and how you came to find us and what you would like to tell us about adoption and your relation to it.
3: Sure. So, gosh, I have several overlapping connections to adoption, I would say. And the past few years, I've just kind of been soaking up everything adoption related. So I came across your podcast, really loved it. The Primal Wound is one of my go-to books. So I really got suckered right into the podcast. I have like four copies of the book at all times. I feel like it's a great communicator. So depending on who I'm in communication with, I've got various books started. If I was in contact with this person, what would I want them to know? About how I relate to this book, or when it comes to you know, adoptive side versus biological side versus extended family or friends, I feel like I highlight depending on who I think my intended audience will be, and then I give yeah. them that book. <laughs> so That's
1: a great idea. I know that actually like, <laughs> we've had the same experience where we want to tell everybody like I gotta send this to this person.
3: So I am an adoptee myself. I was adopted at birth or shortly thereafter. I was about six weeks old, and I have two. Siblings that were adopted into the same household, and they're two biological sisters that were adopted by my adoptive parents. So, I have had kind of adoption and contact on both sides of that growing up with adopted siblings, growing up adopted myself. And years were they later,
0: older now, or younger than you?
3: They're younger. So, I was okay. three, and when they were adopted, they were one and two years old. They were living with their maternal grandmother after their mother was unable to care for them. So they were living there. And an additional twist, which kind of becomes relevant recently is after we adopted both of them, there was a third child that was also born, but my adopted parents didn't feel like they could take on another child at that point. So the social worker that was involved in their adoption actually adopted the third. Oh, wow. And sadly, we found out that she passed away this week. So- it's been oh, the it's social very worker or, for the,
0: me. or the child the daughter, oh. yeah, the daughter.
3: Yeah. There oh, had sorry. been some addiction oh, issues that we kind of knew about. So my adopted sisters had stayed close to her throughout their whole lives. And when we were real young, our parents would get us together. So I grew up during childhood with her as like an extended sister and she had four yeah. or three other sisters. So we all grew up together in adulthood. We drifted. My two sisters stayed very close to her. The three of them were like three peas in a pod all the time. So she had some addiction issues. Then there's a family history of mental illness and different things. But I didn't realize until after the funeral and talking with her mom that she'd really been struggling with some adoption related stuff. And I -hmm. I wish I had known. I don't have a magic wand, but I wish I had known that she was struggling so much.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. I know so many people do, right? And this is why we're doing these conversations and
0: absolutely. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So you were adopted and what state were you adopted in? And were you told early on? And
3: yes. So I was adopted in New York and (laughs) I always knew. I don't remember a time that I didn't know I was adopted. We had the chosen baby book. It's a pretty well known one of the adoption books. It was always on the shelf. So yeah, I I don't remember a time that I didn't know. It was openly talked about. Looking back now, none of us knew what that meant to talk about it. You know, it wasn't a secret. It wasn't shameful,
0: yeah.
3: but we really didn't talk about it either. It was just a fact. It was just there. It was just our reality. Growing up, I looked a lot like my adopted dad. So ironically, he would go into you know, parent-teacher conferences and they would say, we know exactly who you are. You're Melissa's dad. <laughs> and he'd say, that's really funny because Melissa's adopted. <laughs> There's no that's reason so that interesting. Say that. Yeah, It it became a family joke. My mom would always say to him, like, what were you up to nine months before June of 1984? (laughs) Like (laughs) what was going on? But yeah, so I grew up very close. I always knew that I was born. My birth certificate said there's a city that's north of, I live in the Albany, New York area, Mm -hmm. the capital region. And the city that I was born was right on there. And I always knew that I we knew that the two you know the two younger girls knew they were adopted. It was just our normal way of life. We didn't know anything yeah. different.
0: Did you feel any kind of i don't know, some sort of like longing to know where you were from?
3: You know i there were times when I did. I can remember like in particular, I don't know why this one stands out so much, but I remember in fifth grade on the day of my birthday, I remember watching the clock tick closer and closer to eleven a m because I knew I had been born at 11. And I just remembered that year for some reason really sticking out. And I said to my mom, my adoptive mom, I wonder if anyone else out there is thinking about me today. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I sure hope so, which was kind (laughs) of a weird response, but I didn't think too much of it at the time. (laughs) It wasn't brought up a lot. And I did struggle a lot as a teen. I really, I struggled to feel like i didn't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I hopped group to group. I became, yeah. I was a chameleon. I became yep. whatever group would take me at that time. It seems to be a, a
0: recurring theme among adoptees. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah. But I, if you had asked me then, and actually I had, I had a therapist then when I was about 14, 15, I was a cutter and my parents sent me to a therapist. They never asked. I don't even think on any of the intake paperwork that they even identified I was adopted, but they certainly asked like, why, you know, why, why are you so upset? And it was like, I don't know. know. I don't know. It just like something doesn't feel right. I'm just fundamentally unhappy at my core. (laughs) And I remember, you know, a best friend saying like, you just need some ice cream. I don't think that's it. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think that's going to fix it. You know? If you had asked me at any point up until probably like three years ago, I would have said, no, I'm happy I was adopted. I'm like everything's, and I still am, but there's also all of these other pieces now that I Mm -hmm. never, never knew were there.
0: You were in the fog, so to speak. Yes,
3: very much so. Yes. And I would, there was a bit of a breakthrough when I was about, probably about 25. I was living in Boston with my fiance and I was just home for a weekend And I remember saying to my parents, you know, I always thought when I turned 18, there would just be this magical file that opened up and it'd be like, Mm. here you go. And my dad looked at me and said, oh, did you want that information? (laughs) Like, does it exist somewhere? And they had a folder of information that they said, well, you never talked about it. You never asked. So we didn't want to give you something that you didn't, well, like, they just didn't think it was on my radar, Yeah. Um, which goes to, you know, like I said, we were, it was never a secret. It was never shameful, but obviously we never, we never talked about it. It just, and, and didn't, you know, it had the typical non-identifying information, but, you know, I found out a lot of pieces that day to my story and I didn't start search. I would, that was pretty hard for me that day to get those pieces. Yeah. And it was probably another, I didn't start searching until my daughter was born a couple of years after my daughter was born, which again, very typical, like a lot of the stories when I hear some of your guests on, it's the same type of age and life stage when people start to get curious and start looking for those answers.
1: Oh yeah. Sarah and I have talked to several people recently who haven't even been on, and it's the same exact thing. Having your child is like, boom, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, so
3: like first human being in the world that was actually related to me in some way yeah. that I knew. Changes yeah. things. I don't, there's not even words for it. It just changes things. Yeah. And I think it also made me wonder now, my adopted parents, they couldn't have children. Mm-hmm. So they don't have any biological kids, just the three that they adopted. And I, before my daughter was born, my husband has another daughter who's a couple of years older. I've been in her life since she was about six months old. And, you know, people say you don't love your bio kids any differently than you do your other kids. And I always thought, well, My parents don't know that because they've never had that. They have nothing to compare it to. So I guess I was lucky they didn't have anything to compare it to. But there's something just so different about having that blood relative. And maybe non-adoptees really don't feel that difference. Maybe they really don't know what we're talking about when we say it. But to have that first human being in the world that you can see yourself in is just life-changing, I
0: think. It truly is. So you began the search? I did. So I
3: got information, like I said, when I was 25, that paperwork told me, it gave me, you know, approximate ages of my grandparents who were living and mom. And I had, at the time that I was given up for adoption, I had two older brothers and an older sister on mom's side. So I was the fourth born and the paperwork essentially said that there were some marital issues between mom and her husband and during a period when he was away he had some some legal challenges and he was away from the house for a period that she had had an affair with someone else and i was the outcome of that and that they had really tried to work on the relationship but that at the end of the day they had figured that it would just be better for everyone's kind of emotional well-being and the the marital situation if i was placed for adoption so mm-hmm it was specified in the papers that, you know, they wanted a family that was really going to value education and they wanted a good Catholic family because they were a Catholic family. But yeah, so So I really only had background on mom's side. And your um, siblings were together.
1: They were still together.
3: They were. They were. Yep. So, which I, you know, I, it's different to see that on paper, then, you know, I, I've got the full story now, but not only that, but I also in the paper, I was born at home. I wasn't born at a hospital. I was born at home in the bathtub. <laughs> like, so, you know, fourth baby comes along, born at home in the bathtub and first three kids are kept, but fourth isn't. So like, that's, that's like the impact of when I was 25, I was like, really, this is my story because you, you guys know, there's, there's the whole ghost kingdom that we create for ourselves. And I was probably a princess or I was probably a twin (laughs) or I was probably some, you know, something,
0: something, not the fourth kid given up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That that was not right. Right. That
1: isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, yeah. So so when you started this search, were you already a therapist? (laughs) I was. Yes. Because you specialize in adoption, right? Are you?
3: I am starting to specialize in in adoption now. Yes. Trauma has always been my thing. Attachment theory has always been my thing. I decided when I was 16 that I was going to be a psychologist and I never looked back. Most of my work, and I don't know how this fits into adoption. I'm sure it does in some way, but I work with a lot of criminals. I work with offender populations. So I kind of. I work with the worst of the worst and I don't know why I really, I don't know. I want to understand what makes someone behave in Mm. those ways. And I'm sure that's linked in somehow (laughs) to attachment and my understanding of all of that trauma. But so, yeah, that's always been my thing since I was a teen, probably trying to figure it all out on my own at that point.
1: Wow. So when you did the search, what happened along the way? Like who did you meet and what went on there?
3: My search was uncharacteristically short. My <laughs> I took just kind of on a whim, I took an ancestry test and I got the results I'll never forget that I got the results back on September 11th because it was September 11th. So I got my results back on September 11th of 2018 and I had I happened to match to a couple of cousins, I think second cousins, second cousins, first from like once removed who were really into genealogy and like, within an hour of me getting those results, we were on the phone talking, and they were helping me put those pieces together. They actually connected me. they said, "Upload the information from ancestry to this other site," which I did because they knew that another one of their close relatives was on that site, and that ended up being my aunt, so my mother's sister and I just reached out and said, "Hey, we've got a close match and she she emailed me back and said, "We sure do. When can we get on a phone and talk to each other and that was kind wow. of it. And I was really like, I started panicking and, you know, all the feelings leading up to this phone call. And I, I didn't know where to start. I said, I don't know if you know who I am. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you want to hear from me. I don't know if anybody wants to hear from me. I started rambling. Yeah. and She said, June 1st, 1984, your name was Ryan. And I was one of the first to hold you. And just from there, like she had known, you know, she could fill in some pieces about my grandma who I guess had talked about me, you know, through the years until she passed away. Yeah. So I have been extremely fortunate in how well (laughs) that reunion was really received by everyone.
0: Including your, your birth mother.
3: Yes. So it was very, so my aunt that I connected with lives in Florida now. She moved down there a number of years ago with her father, my grandfather. And the day that I reached out and spoke to my aunt, My sister and my bio mom had actually driven down to Florida to move in with my aunt. And as my aunt and I are having this conversation, they're pulling into her driveway. So, (laughs) and my aunt is very big on everything happens the way it's meant to happen and all the signs. And she was like, this is weird. (laughs) It's all (laughs) happening. So yeah, mom was a little slower to come around. She had as is very common, a lot going on, like a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings all coming up. So I wrote her a letter and I asked my aunt to give it to her and she held on to that. And with her, it was a very slow start. First, she would kind of linger in the background when I would be like my sister and my brother, like if they were on my Facebook, they'd say like, oh, do you want to see any pictures? And she'd be like, no, no, no. But she'd kind of like, kind of look, but not. And then- (laughs) You know, uh-huh. after a month or so, you know, she friended me on Facebook, and then did a she have a lot of guilt? after that? I think so. And I really, I never thought I wanted to know them. I really, yeah. I thought I would do a drive by and see if <laughs> anyone was there and just see what they looked like. I really had no interest. I
1: called call a drive by.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dabble. I really oh, and, and mm-hmm. I really after getting that information when I was. 25 and realizing I had these siblings, like, why would they want to know me? Like, why would they want to know me? I probably messed up their happy family. right? (laughs) And that's not the case. So my three siblings that were already born when I was born, they were not all born to her husband. So she had the two older ones she had before she met him and he had adopted them. And then they had a son together. And then I came along. And after I was adopted three years later, they had another little girl. So her, you know, and 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 she never knew why would she want anything to do with me? She doesn't know. And she was not given up for adoption. Right. She was
0: not. And did they they, stay together for all those years?
3: They did not. So my sister was born three years after me. And then there was a period of time when they were separated. And then they ultimately remarried later on and then separated again. And he passed away in 2002, which I th- I think if, and I had already gotten some of those pieces before I reached out to the family. I'm I'm not sure that I would have, if he was still living, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to, I know a lot of adoptees feel like it's their right to kind of seek their answers. And I, I don't know. I never felt that. I didn't feel like my getting answers was worth really potentially doing damage to other people. And I didn't know if my siblings knew about me. I didn't know if their marriage had worked out. I didn't know any of those things. So I don't know what I would have done if they were still together, but I I do think I would have approached it pretty differently.
1: What about your siblings? Do they remember you being born and what happened to you or your mom being pregnant and that whole situation?
3: So my brother didn't spend a lot of his childhood living with her. He actually lived with our maternal grandparents for most of his upbringing. Mm. And they're not sure how much they remember her being pregnant or me being born. But I was always talked about. Like they were told that I was their sister. I've learned, you know, there was a Christmas ornament on the tree every year with my name on it. Like I was, I was very present. My grandmother talked about me. My oldest brother Uh does not have a recollection of any of it, which he's, you know, he's like, how did I not know? Cause he was five or six at the time. And he said, but you know, come to think about it. Everybody always talked about Ryan. He's like, and I always just thought it was some guy. <laughs> so it's possible, <laughs> you know, he he, he probably <laughs> did here and just didn't put the pieces together, but. It's, it's so good. interesting know, that sisters they would always knew
0: that they talked about you and had a ornament and it kind of begs the question, well, then why did they give you up for adoption? It's interesting. Right. It was painful right.
1: for the father, right? To look at you, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So you know, my father, is a big piece of their it. father. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. And what about your birth father? Mm-hmm.
3: So I got his name and I did a lot. Of, well, but I did some digging myself before I got the name. I was very hesitant to ask her. She was, because of that very slow to warm up process, I didn't want to go searching, like, give me a name now. <laughs> I didn't want to scare yeah. her away. So I was doing a lot of tree building on Ancestry myself, which it's actually really funny there because I kept getting so close, like within, you know, second cousins, first cousins, but just couldn't figure out where is the link? Where we, where is this? And it's because my biological father's father, so my grandfather was orphaned himself. He was left in an institution as a baby and he had a name. He was given the name and he kept that name. But he never had any connection to the family. He didn't know where he came from. So through my searching, I've actually solved like two generations of mysteries where this for other
1: people. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I found, so his mother had gotten pregnant very young. So my great grandmother had gotten pregnant very young by the family chauffeur (laughs) and (laughs) had been quickly married off to someone else. In the meantime, so she ended up having the baby and he was never adopted. He grew up in an orphanage and never had any other family. And I think there was some trauma there that was passed down. I
0: can imagine. Um,
3: But I ended up finding, so my great grandmother, her daughter. So my grandfather's half sister. And she said, on my mother's deathbed, she told us that we had a brother and she's like, but we had no idea where to start. We didn't know anything about any of it. So, so I helped them solve that mystery. The that's situation.
0: incredible. Yeah, it was re- it was really cool. It's um, that tenacious adopted person's like private investigator. Private investigator. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, another and, thing we and, all seem to share.
3: <laughs> yeah. And that chauffeur, that Italian chauffeur, actually ended up. I'm trying to think of what the connection is because I always forget what it is. But his sister, I want to say or his niece married into my adopted family. Oh, so my, my grandmother, what? who I was very close to, her brother's wife was like somehow related to that family. So it's like a couple of generations away, but That's and it's crazy. weird because I grew up knowing I was French and Irish, which is what mom's side was. And I had no background on what dad's side would have been. But adopted, mom's side was Italian and dad's side was English and German and a whole bunch of stuff. And I never took to that. I always made this like conglomerate of I'm French and Irish and Italian. And that's what I am. That's what my bio <laughs> dad's side ends up being 100% Italian. So it's very weird how it all works out.
0: That's really You're from the upstate New York region, right? Yes. Maybe yeah. maybe we're related back there yeah. somehow because I'm from... <laughs> I'm from that area too. And I'm Irish and English. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So, did you find him then?
3: I have. I have found Bio Dad. I have not met him. He has three other kids, and I've met all three of them. I mean, we have, we're fine. There's no animosity there. We're not super close. We're not, I was immediately taken back into Bio Mom's family. I was like, it's like I was never gone. My sisters and I are like best friends. My oldest brother instantly took on the role of protector that Uh I know he would have taken Uh on. Like when we were kids, you know, I've been to the family weddings. My aunt jokes are my grandfather passed away last month and one of my uncles, and she's like, well, you're in now because you've had two funerals and a wedding. So (laughs) you're, you're official, (laughs) but yeah, it's, and that is weird too, because in a lot of ways, I feel like If someone a couple of generations from now is doing an ancestry family tree, it's almost going to be like the adoption never happened. Like I really Mm -hmm. was very much absorbed right back into this family, right where everything was, I don't know. It's nice. I feel so welcome there. And I'm out of all of the kids. I'm the one that looks the most like our mother, but I look very much like my siblings and it's like, they always say like, it's so weird that you just like, you're okay with us. Cause we're, we're like a hard family to just assimilate into. And I say, it feels like home. It just has always wow. from the first day, it just felt like home.
1: And do, how does your adopted parents, how do they feel about your family and your adopted sisters who you're close to with your mm-hmm. new siblings, so, old siblings?
3: My adopted parents want to be very supportive. They kind of immediately took to to only one of my siblings lives in the the same area as me. One sister lives in Florida, the other one lives down in South Carolina, so I have one brother that's local, and my dad immediately said to him, like, "Well, if you get a sister out of this, I get a son out of this <laughs> and immediately like took him right mm-hmm. under his wing, wanted to buy tickets and hop on a plane and bring me down to meet my bio mom when we found that out. I think in some ways. They want to be too involved at times, mostly my dad. and I think that's his way of coping with it. Like mm-hmm. if he knows what's going on at all times, then he can kind of have a finger on the pulse of where everything's going. <laughs> yeah, and I've needed to put some separation there. Mom talks about it less, and I'm sure it's very difficult for her. November has become a real month of advocacy for me on social media. i blog, and I post articles, and I share different stories that I find, I make it really all about adoption awareness. And I did a story on my blog last year, that was kind of like a letter to my adopted mom. And it was kind of taken from bits and pieces of other versions that people, you know, I was like, these are the pieces that resonate with me. And she's not a very touchy feely emotional person. So you know, she I sent it to her by email. And I said, let me know if you're okay with me posting this because it's no secret that you're my adopted mom. So may, I want to make sure you're, you're good with this first. And she said, I think I needed to read it just as much as you needed to write it, but Aww. we've never talked about it since. So we I know it's really it's it's
1: hard. That. Would you share that with us? We'd love to see that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you the link. I've got a couple, yeah. Every year I say this month, I'm going to post something every day for the 30 days of November. And every year I am just mentally done within the first week. It's just so hard. I have to make it less personal and more about like other people's stories and other research and things that I can share because if I put too much of myself in, it's just draining. It's really draining.
1: So back to what Sarah asked you, you met your biological dad? Or I did
3: you, know She has Oh, you haven't.
1: Right. Okay. So you met the, just the siblings. Right. And, and why, why haven't you?
3: <laughs> he really hasn't had much interest. Did and he know was, about you? I believe the exact words he said to my brother were, yep, that sounds about right. Oh, so I think there had been, you know, mom was navigating some of the same parties that he was. And I think there were rumors when she stopped showing up at the parties, but he never investigated that further. He did not. So my three siblings on his side, two of them are much older than me and one is much younger than me. So and they're different moms. So his two oldest have one mom, then a period of time when he wasn't with anyone, and then he was with the mom of the younger one. And so he's he not wasn't, with he either of those. now.
1: He wasn't married when he was with your mom. Correct. When she had the affair. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Ah. So he's, you know, mostly been alone for most of his adult life. And I think the kids mostly grew up with their moms. So I don't know that he really knows how to navigate. father role too much. Yeah. So there was a period of time over the summer when he was really sick and in the hospital and I got like this panicky, what if I never get to meet him? Mm -hmm. Um, but now he's better and that went away. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know (laughs) if I'll pursue it or how rigorously I'll pursue it. I think.
0: Does he Um, live near you? He does.
3: Yep. He lives in the area. I think in my mind, If I had not been adopted, I don't think it would have been any different in regards to him. I don't Mm -hmm. think that I would have, you know, if anything, I don't know, I would have been adopted by mom's partner. I think like her older kids were, I don't think he would have played a role in my life. So I don't know that I see it as a gap
1: because it's the same sort of with your siblings from him too. Yeah. That's understandable.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's really,
1: (laughs) and do you have one daughter now?
3: Yep. My daughter is Mm -hmm. nine and my stepdaughter is 11.
0: Okay. Oh, that's right. You have a stepdaughter too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and your sisters that you grew up with, how are they doing?
3: So they, they really got the double whammy themselves in terms Mm -hmm. of biology. So both on their bio mom and bio dad side, there's a lot of mental illness and a lot of addiction. And they were both born with Probably some fetal alcohol effects. Mm. So they were a year and two years younger than me, but developmentally very, very much younger. So it's really awful sometimes. I don't even remember that they're my siblings. I mean, I know, like they are, we grew up together. But, you know, people will say, I said to my best friend, it's so nice to have sisters. I never had sisters she's like, yes, you did. You grew up with two of them. And it's like, oh, right. Yeah, I did. Oh, right. Because we didn't have that sibling bond. I was almost like in a parental role with them. I was mm. not at the same level.
0: So they, are they I mean, able to function on their own? I mean, are they able to live independently? So one of them lives independently and her effects from the
3: field alcohol are much more in terms of social vulnerabilities. So mm. she'll, you know, she'll befriend somebody she meets at the bus stop and move in with them type of thing, but made it through school. Like, you know, in terms of like intelligence level, it's there. It's just really some social vulnerabilities. Doesn't really get it. When mm. we were talking about the passing of her biological sister, she was like, but I don't get it. She was happy. She had a happy family and she had, you know, three other siblings in that house and she was happy, like, but it, there's just not that insight. I don't, and it I don't know. It was suicide? I don't know. I don't know. It was sudden and I know that she also had addiction issues. So mm. I'm not yeah. sure. But yeah. So there's a lack of insight that my you know? my, you know, the one sister has. And the other one is honestly so ill between some pretty significant learning disabilities and mental illness that I don't think they can bring themselves to a level to really ponder what effect adoption had. I feel like there's so much other stuff yeah. that they just don't get it. They don't see it. I, and and at, I've tried to have those conversations and it doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> and your,
1: your one sister, she still is with your parents then, with your adoptive parents? She or, does not. Oh, no,
3: they're, both um, oh they're both independent. Mean, the younger one is in and out of hospitals quite often okay. and in and out of rehabs quite often. And
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. It's really incredible. I mean, it just is. the whole nature nurture discussion is such an interesting... It really is. It's yes. just so many layers to
1: it. Mm-hmm. And, and you have yes. so many facets in it. I mean, like and every yes. family, it's yep. fascinating. And
3: my bio family is no stranger to addiction issues themselves. You know, I've got some of that on both sides also. Me too. Yeah. But, and so my adopted parents will often be like, they just think like, look at the three of us. And they're Like, how, like, how is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it like, what is it? obviously, well, you know, we can't separate that out. Gosh, if we ever could, I'd be out of a job anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a question going circling back to the genealogy research that you did and finding out about your birth father and his father. Did you share that information with your siblings?
3: Yeah, I've started to, I've shared some of it with my younger sister. I've shared a lot of it with, so my, my uncle So my grandfather grew up in the capital region and he got married and he had two boys, one of them being my father. And then he moved down to Florida. He kind of abandoned his family here in New York and went down to Florida and started all over again and remarried, had another son. And that son I connected with through ancestry. So even though my bio dad has no connection to this brother of his, I've been able to speak with him and fill in some of those blanks together, which is, has been interesting. And my adopted side, my dad grew up in Albany and so did his brother and his brother remembers my grandfather. He he remembers him just, you know, they call it small, and (laughs) I said, you know, did you ever know so-and-so? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, he used to be around here. He had a like an auto mechanics garage and he's like, but that's before, you know, he totally up and left his partner and you know, forgot all about the business and went down to Florida instead. like so, well, you really do know him. <laughs> so, I think about there's been so many connections that I've found along the way.
1: I think about your grandfather because growing up in an orphanage, I mean, I'm sure the trauma for him, even just to be a healthy dad, would be you know, who knows what yes. he went through back in that era,
0: and of course, no Absolutely. tools you know <laughs> and men men weren't supposed to deal with those kinds of feelings and thoughts and yeah,
3: Absolutely. whole different,
0: whole different world.
3: I've been saying that I want to put a packet of information together and give it to Biodad just so he has that history. I keep saying I'm going to do it. I was going to do it for father's day. And what month are we in?
1: And does this all help? Like when you're doing your work that you do with helping criminals or learning about mm-hmm. criminals, and I'm not sure what aspect you do that, mm-hmm. but how does you, know, do you see them does. understanding a little bit different yeah. and
3: it's this. so depends on the role sometimes it it does sometimes i'm doing court evals trying to understand you know someone's state of mind yes that helps mm-hmm. sometimes it gets in the way <laughs> because sometimes mm-hmm. my task is you know, is this person who is now 83 years old, safe to return to their community? And I'm like, but when they were six, they were adopted. And I'm like, let's talk <laughs> about them. They're like, that's like, yes, important to him as a person, but not important today in terms of the decision that we're being tasked with type of thing. So yeah. I'm, yes,
0: I'm curious about if you've noticed, because mm-hmm. I heard a statistic about suicide that adoptees are Four times more likely to commit suicide, which I just find staggering. We just had Mm -hmm. a guest tell us this. Yeah. Yeah. So is that a significant statistic with offenders? Have you found or do you know, has anybody done any of that kind of research?
3: There's no consistent research. So one of the biggest problems with adoption research is that there's no consistent definitions for Mm -hmm. anything. So when we're talking about, you know, one in four adoptees is that, anyone who's ever touched the adoption system? Is that including foster children who may spend years and years in the same house, but are never formally adopted? Is that infant adoption? Is that international infant? And nobody's doing the kind of research to standardize that. So it's, that's what makes it really tricky. Like if I look at my offender population, and I, I couldn't even begin to give a number, but a big chunk has disruption in their childhoods, whether that's being shuffled from, you know, mom to grandma to aunt to cousin or whether that's a formal touch of the system foster care adoption but that disruption is is definitely seen in a huge chunk of their histories. I posted something on my social media the other day and I can't remember the numbers but it was like no, X percentage of serial killers were adopted or something like that. <laughs> and and my dad commented like, wow, can't wait for our next family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> but even like any time, it's not just suicide. It's, it's all these, I don't know if you've heard of ACEs, but they're mm. adver- like adverse childhood experiences. Oh, mm-hmm. It's a list of experiences that are linked with difficulties later on. And things like trauma in history in childhood whether it's foster care or whether it's adoption or whether it's a whole list of it could be medical trauma but traumas as kids is seen yeah across the board later when people are yeah. in troubles
0: yeah I can raise my hand as to attest <laughs> I am a perfect example of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, could are, talk forever yeah. about this. It's just and pick your brain. I, I know me too. With, I'm like, what else <laughs> with your work and, and mm-hmm. the work you're doing? And anyway. you know, it's one
3: thing that's interesting. And I don't know where I mean, it fits in a lot of places, but as I've done all of my training, I've been very science based. I was watching one of your earlier podcasts when you guys were both telling your stories and you were talking about, you know, did that sound hokey or did that sound hokey? And <laughs> I mean, just in terms of my profession, I, I try to stay away from hokey, right? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm, right for my work. And this has really opened me up to a whole new level in terms of energies and how we store trauma and what all of that means. And in my work with my own clinician, I found that EFT, I don't know how familiar yeah. you are with that, but we both are, emotional yeah. freedom technique and the tapping, I had one session and it like drastically changed things for me. Wow! So it's definitely opened me up. And when I was trying to get information about when I was first born, like that first period, I have always, I don't like my birthday. And I know that's not uncommon, but I've always mm-hmm. had a thing with the whole month of June, the whole month. And I don't know why I, I like never knew why it was just like, it's my birth month. Not that I celebrated it all month. It was just the whole month had some sort of meaning. Mm -hmm. And in talking with my bio mom, she told me that every day for 30 days until she had to sign those final papers, she visited me. And I don't, you know, other family members have said that they're not sure that happened or whatever, but she's able to tell me what I looked like and how that changed over 30 days. So I was born with a huge, dark head of hair. And by the time my adopted parents adopted me, I was bald. <laughs> so she was able to say, like, oh no, you were born with this head of dark hair and it like thinned out over the first month, and then you were like bald. And she also pictures of you. She didn't, oh. not that I've seen. Although she's been fairly transient over the years, living different places. So I don't know if she had, if they would have been maintained. Mm. but she did. I said, well, were there any songs that you ever sang me? Cause I saw a post somewhere about people sharing this. And she talked about love me tender by Elvis. And I thought, well, that does nothing for me <laughs> because I've never, <laughs> not that I dislike Elvis. It's just never been anything that really got me. Like yeah. it wasn't one of my favorites. And then I was on another website people were talking about, and they have these music boxes that you can have made With songs that are early lullabies. And I turned that song into a lullaby and that got me. So it's not Elvis singing it and it's not like a recording of him, but if it's just the melody Mm. that gets me. So in terms of like storing that energy and storing those early emotional experiences without, you know, pre-verbal. So without having any of those words, I'm a believer in the hokey now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are too. We've had a, you know? a, because there's just those deep feelings, like the sixth sense of something. And yes. you can't, we try to explain it to others, to ourselves. We understand it. Sarah and I talk and we are like, I get it. I get it. But you know, you talk to outside people about it and they're kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. with the yeah, eye absolutely. roll or you can kind of mm-hmm. see them going, "Hmm." but mm-hmm.
0: I had a friend and- who she was not adopted. But her mother, she was a late pregnancy that they unplanned and her mother sat every single day of her pregnancy on the base in the stairs down to the basement in the dark, sobbing about being pregnant and how that affected my friend and growing up and the the way it manifested later in life is so interesting. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah.
3: Yes. You know, I found out that in conversations with bio mom, She had wanted to keep me. And I do think Mm. that that I would love to do research on the different outcomes for people that had that in utero experience versus the one that you're describing where they're upset all the time. She had planned to, and that's kind of her story, but she had really hoped that I'd be able to stay. And when it became clear I couldn't, it was after, you know, after I was born and I was clearly not preterm, <laughs> the joke was up. So, but that tells me that for nine months, I did have that, you know, I didn't grow up with the tears and the sobbing and the, yeah. the feelings that go along with that.
1: That makes me sad actually too, because you know, how much pressure she might've had to put you up yeah. for adoption and not wanting to, yes. and God, it's, it would be slow to get to know you if you're her, because mm-hmm. that to put that away, that pain
0: mm-hmm. is a lot.
3: We have talked about it. I don't dig. I'm kind of just happy to have her as a presence in my life. And we have a good relationship. You know, I moved from the capital region. So I'm about an hour away now. And she'll come spend the weekend at my house. And she's the third grandma to my daughter. Mm. And we're picking up just like I am with the other members. So it's, you know, once we got over that initial hump, which I totally understand on both sides. Yeah. No, we're we're in a really good. Place. And neat for your daughter. Your
1: your daughter has this big extended family, like <laughs> that's yes. really welcoming. That's really cool. Yes,
3: that's yes. so great. Her Thanks. best friend is my sister's daughter down in in Myrtle Beach. Oh. They Facetime each other. They're on the phone for hours every day, and me and my sister are just texting in the background. Like, did you just hear them? They're like real cousins. We're like, well, they are real cousins, <laughs> but they're you know what I mean. So it's been
0: that's great. That's so great. That. I'm so that just what a, this is a great story. Thank you so really much for is. sharing and
3: oh, thank you for having Giving us the
0: time and being so yeah. just open and honest about everything. Yeah. yeah. Really. It's been really The only way to
3: be with this stuff. I have it found really so many is. people reach out to me because I am open and honest on my social media platforms and when they themselves are struggling or they have a teenager that's coming, you know, 12, 13 and all of a sudden that adoption they always seemed okay with maybe not so much you know I, I want people to know that there are resources there's no adoptions not going anywhere and for good reasons oftentimes but we can do it better so mm-hmm. that the lasting yes. effects aren't as as breaking you know i see so many people broken from this and it, they don't have to stay broken
1: yeah oh that's beautiful yeah that's a great message yeah. mhm that's what we're hoping to do. So we love having you here to help
0: yes. us just even have these
1: conversations. It's wonderful.
0: It's nice oh, to like, thanks. you know, when you're out of the fog and you can speak to that, that's a really, it's a great, yes. great message. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank well, you, thank so you so much. Thank you so much.
1: This has been amazing. I, yeah. We'll keep in touch. Definitely. Yeah, thank for you. sure. Yes. Okay.
3: Absolutely. Bye Melissa. Right. Bye Melissa.
0: Bye. God, what an interesting person Melissa is. and. So bright and deep and knows her stuff. She, I was really impressed with her. I was really
1: impressed, and you and I and and Melissa talked about it, but just at her age too, to be able to do this, you know, being so cognizant of it all at twenty five, mm-hmm. and then going through it for many years after, and just having that time now to know her family. I just think, and to know all her family and for her daughter, she's having such a neat experience. It's fascinating to me,
0: and how great that. Talking, you know, when we talked about adoption needing to be, you know, to make it work, like she is making it work in terms of now her daughter obviously wasn't adopted, but just having that cognizance and awareness as a parent. Yes. To understand what your issues might be or any of that that would oh, keep yeah. you aware as a parent and like yeah. that. And just so open, like this is who I am and this is what's
1: happening. And come on board or not. I'd like that message. Like I know. And this, sh- what good boundaries she has. Yeah, she really and understanding all of it and just the work she does. Yeah. She's a neat person. I would love to have her on for a whole nother segment. Of I know.
0: <laughs> Pick her brain about just her work would be God, great. So. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, we well, always say it. <laughs> go ahead. You say Another it. Another great episode, Sarah. Another great episode, Louise. <laughs> See you <laughs> See next, you next time. time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today.
1: And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at The Making of Me Podcast.
0: And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.